Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers. It will also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, hooray! Andy, how the devil are you? Oh, well, Mitch, I'm glad you asked. I'm okay, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad at all, not bad at all. Quite a busy week. What about yourself? You had time to squeeze anything in? Do you know, I'm going to just come out with it. I haven't really watched much. I did start watching Watchmen. Ah, uh, okay. People have been talking about this in pretty flavourable terms. I think we're like seven episodes in now, is that right? Uh, yeah, something like that, yeah. Who watches the Watchmen? This guy watches the Watchmen. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. It's great television. I mean, TV's where it's at now, I think. It's certainly like kind of a second golden age for it, I think. How, so how far through are you? How many have you seen? I've only watched the first two. From what I can see on the internet and things, I think that people are going crazy about episode six. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Apologies, by the way, if you're just getting, uh, picking up a little bit of background noise there. Uh, do not adjust your sets. But a little bit of feline intrusion going on over here. Oh, right, okay. Do you have cat-related background noise? <laughs> I do have cat-related ambience, yeah. Oh, uh, dear, dear. <laughs> what, of what sort? Is it the, the rifling through a litter tray? Because that's a horrible noise. It's the scratching at a scratching post. Right, okay. No, not quite as bad, but see that thing when you're in your bed and you've got a cat? And it's in the litter tray and it's scratching around for ages. You're like, hurry up and fucking do it. <laughs> do your business and Just fuck off. Just get it done. I know, do your business and fuck off. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> See, our unexpected co-host today is our wow. Max. Okay. We're all about the unexpected co-host these days. Sure, I can tell you that my unexpected co-host is in another room being tended to, so uh, not a factor. Very good, very good. But yeah, so um, two thumbs up so far for Watchmen then? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, check it out. I'm not going to go into too much detail on it because I'm not entirely sure it's fitting the format. format. Um, It might be. That might be debatable. But uh, yeah, it's out there. Go and check out Watchmen. Please don't be put off if you didn't like the film because I'm kind of ambivalent on the film. Mm -hmm. As many people are, I think. Yeah, uh, for me, it's far more satisfying in the film okay cool Good, good, good. Sounds promising. I am, um, and speaking of things that are not fit for the format, I've caught up now completely with all the episode, the new episodes that are in the world of uh, Rick and Morty. All right, okay. Set aside some time and finally get that done this week. Really enjoying uh, season four, but obviously, yeah, that's kind of, so that was like an hour out from what's been a very busy week. The only other thing that I squeezed in beyond uh, shockwave stuff, which I've managed, by the way. Good on you, well done. Um, I had a wee revisit to 2015 and Adam Mason's Hangman. Right, you're very much stuck in 2015 now, Mitch. Uh, yeah. Yeah, bodies seem to do that. I think that maybe that's what did it. Yeah, but it kind of put me back on the things that people talked about from the festivals that year and things. And I think that uh, Hangman is pretty underseen. It's out there, though. It's uh, pretty accessible. It's directed by Adam Mason, stars a long-term Mitch Bain favourite, Jeremy Sisto. Also, uh, Ryan Simpkins, who has been in a few things. He was in Anguish and uh, a couple of things like that, a couple of horror things. And basically, it's kind of found footagey, but I think that it's it's quite a good twist on it. Kind of in the style of the start of Paranormal Activity 2. You remember when the family comes 
home and they've been burgled, or it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They come home and they've been burgled and they're kind of trying to recuperate from that. What they don't realise is that there have been cameras implanted in their home as well as a break-in. Yeah, I really like Hangman, by the way. I'm just going to say it now. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's like I think that like um, I think there are other films in the world that have tried to do similar things to this or do kind of things along these lines. And I don't think many of them get them as right as Hangman does. I think that it's really underrated. Yeah. I'm going to try and watch something that's actually new this week, although I did do Knives Out last week, I guess. Which is pretty new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty new. Um, but yeah, that was it apart from... Sure did. And uh, Secret Shame exercised this week I watched The Monster Squad. <laughs> well, well, well. And did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it very much. I am, I am slightly embarrassed by the fact that it's taking me this long to see it, given what like, long-time listeners of the show will know. But yes, I got to it. I really enjoyed it. It was weird watching it after having seen Wolfman's Got Nards first. I mean, I do understand why it's got the cult following that it does and why it was like such a gateway horror film for so many young people at the time and kind of still is. Yeah, I'm still amazed that the Monster Squad didn't set the world alight a lot more than it did when it came out. Yeah, I think the documentary kind of touches on that. It kind of got a raw deal with certification, certainly over here, didn't it? I it did, yeah, yeah. And and to me, it's got uh, all the kind of hallmarks of one of those kind of ambliny kids on bikes films that are so pervasive nowadays that, and that I know set your teeth on edge. But certainly it was all of a time and it was time appropriate for it to be like that. But I, I just don't see why it didn't do better. Like, I mean, obviously it's like super love now and that's great. Yeah, but it has taken this long, hasn't it, for a lot of people? 30 odd years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty remarkable really. But yeah, the Shockwaves 100 continues to thin out. How many is that? Um, we are four? in four. Uh, Cemetery Man, Exorcist 3, Possession and Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> cheery bunch which means actually um, we can kind of slap a timeline on how long it should take me to do this now right okay so this is airing on December 9th so December 16th I should have another one done December 23rd I should have another then it's Christmas where I'll hopefully get at least one of them done but it is possible that uh, this could be done by the 13th of January remarkable yeah crazy times isn't it Indeed, <laughs> a long, strange trip it's been. Um, that's about it, though, for now, so... What have they been singing? <laughs> Beautiful. You're on very good voice this morning. Thank you, thank you. I've, be, I've been up all morning, so I've had a chance to kind of relax into my uh, vocal cords somewhat. <laughs> you've, been up, you've been up all morning doing vocal warm-ups for precisely this purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been bathing them in lemon and honey tea. I've been eating my vocal zone pastels. <laughs> Consummate professional. <laughs> okay, so... So the odd thing coming in on uh, Body this week, people talking about this past week's uh, episode where I spoke about my affection for the 2015 film Body, Chris Salt got in touch, originally saying extra points to Mitch for picking a film that's barely an hour and change. There's a chance I may actually be able to get this one watched in time. (laughs) He managed it and he got back and said, "Um, another fine episode in an unexpectedly fun, mean-spirited Christmas film. One thing I noticed, Callie is way too quick to go from oh my god he's dead to okay here's our alibi. I don't think this is her first rodeo. I like to think that while Mel and Holly have been off at college doing law and shagging guys who can't act, Callie stayed at home stewing over her crap grades and just started casually murdering her way through half the time to compensate. Uh Like, yeah, sure, the Asian family have gone away for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely wrapped in plastic in the basement. Uh, I, by the way, I did say that during the recording that this didn't feel like a new experience for Callie. No, it's true. You did say that uh, she seemed a little bit, uh, just all came a little bit too naturally. She's either, a, like you say, yeah. a natural or she has a massive body count under her belt. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay, I've got a scaled sheepless mm-hmm. getting in touch on body to say, eagerly awaiting the nun right in for the feedback section of Strong Violet PC on Monday. I could, uh, unfortunately, to drop a 
spoiler on you at this point. It would appear that we have had no contact from nuns. No, no, no. No one uh, from the clergy of any description, actually, have been in touch to offer any clarity on the lyrics, which is disappointing. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious about Body and we'll probably check it out. The description of them manipulating the crime circumstances kind of made me think of Jawbreaker, which is a great film, by the way. Although, obviously, that has a campy sensibility, which prevents it from seeming too dark. Interested to see that kind of thing played straight. Of course, if I'd thought properly, I'd have remembered that Gone Girl does play that kind of thing straight and it is super uncomfortable. Also, it doesn't stand up to closer examination, though. Alright, alright, Mitch, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stop banging that um, Gone Girl's incorrect. <laughs> gong. Gong Girl. Who's <laughs> smashing that gong since 2014? <laughs> Just screaming it from the rafters. Don't watch Gone Girl, it doesn't hold up to close scrutiny. <laughs> Um, staying with Caitlin actually um, on Twitter talking about Elm Street 2 from a couple of weeks ago when Mitch had it a good and bad day for heavy traffic good because it meant I could listen to the whole Elm Street 2 episode of Strong Violent PC less good because I've been cackling and vigorously nodding in full view of other commuters worth it have to see that documentary um, I've got something else on A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 by the way from Jonathan Dodson at John D. Beard to say finally caught up the Strong Violent PC Freddy's Revenge episode with Scout the Horizon so what else to do than watch it this evening and why the hell not yeah and I I hope it was uh, everything you remembered it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, moving on to, unless you've got anything else on M Street 2, I have some stuff on cruising. I've got something on body, actually. Just um, It's just kind of obliquely on body. Okay. Um, it's uh, Stevie at Film Fan Stevie saying, Couldn't listen to Strong Violent PC yesterday as I forgot to take my new headphones that go with my new phone. Brag. <laughs> uh, so this morning I'm listening to Andy Make Stuff and Watch the Files Mitch chat about the film body at the Cousin Soho. One day late. That's a couple of weeks now that the routine's been irregular. They're going to be wondering about him. Yeah, they're going to think he's up to something or he's got something new to fill his time. Yeah, well, he's up to something suspicious or something shady on Friday mornings. We could only speculate, <laughs> of course. Moving outward to cruising, uh, John Paul Fitch got in touch on right, this yeah. one. Uh, Johnny Boy, your episode on cruising has persuaded me to buy the DVD, only available online in Australia. Worth mentioning that the Blu-ray is in the Arrow video sale, though, now, I believe. It is, and I mean, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, could be wrong, pretty sure that the region code for the UK is the same as Australia. Okay, okay. Um, he got in touch saying, also ordered Freakin's other masterpiece, Sorcerer. Haven't seen either of them. The <laughs> fact that Watchfire's Mitch got as much out of it as he did from the Ninth Configuration sold me. It's one of my absolute favourite films. Great film. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of love for the Ninth Configuration from either people who have discovered it through this show and, uh, by extension, Heather Buckley, or people who just loved it anyway. But um, everyone who talks about that film when they get back in touch seems to love it. And why wouldn't they? I agree, I agree. You got anything on cruising? I do have something on cruising from our old pal Darren Gaskill at Darren underscore scored Gaskill. Finally mm -hmm. got myself a copy of Cruising. What a movie. Superbly okay. written and acted, brilliantly paced and horribly tense throughout. The new restoration from the 4K scan looks gorgeous too. And a true form from Darren here. Oh, and Karen Allen. <laughs> you can always count in for one of those to love that right in there right at the end yeah but he's got to tag um, on the little, the little bit at the end when, he, uh, when a, a woman takes his eye <laughs> never fails <laughs> a little bit uh, a little bit broader a little bit further back Kim Morrison Wicked Sister at 69 on Twitter getting in touch and uh, she's not catching up on episodes anymore but she is catching up on films uh, this week next up Life Force and another strong violent <laughs> PC film ticked off the list back as far as episode 19 there with Jules Boyle yeah wow and uh, still no word I believe on why there was a Glasgow's Miles Better bus in London yes no that question's still not been answered it's, it's the main enduring mystery of the 82 <laughs> episodes of this podcast <laughs> I've got some general niceness oh okay great from Sandy Gautrit at Sandy75Miles oh nice okay if you want to brighten up your commute or your day slash evening slash bedtime 
I'd listen to two of the funniest and loveliest guys chat about horror films. Listen to Strong Violent PC. You won't regret it. That's nice, isn't it? It's certainly nice, and it's nice to know that listening to her voice doesn't come with many regrets. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very little qualification. It's always nice, isn't it? Whatever else you may regret in your dark, dark life, it won't be listening to us. <laughs> well, that's nice, isn't it? On a more general niceness, uh, Kevin Matthews sold our popcorn and got in touch this week. Uh, just flagging up, we've become one of the many people, really, that has picked up a copy of Anna and the Apocalypse on Blu-ray from Second Sight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Hanny underscore Ray, I believe, joining that club this week as well. Uh, so loads of them. Also, actually, just want to touch on one thing. First off, have you got anything else? Uh, no, no, I don't know. Okay. Okay, cool. I want to mention, uh, this week, obviously, uh, Spotify wrapped for 2019 happened. Yeah, when everyone gets their kind of years listening figures and, you know, the stuff that they've spent the most hours listening to and all that kind of thing. We got loads and loads of tweets, actually, um, that we figured in people's Spotify wrap. It was really nice, really nice to hear, really nice to see that um, we're kind of warming our way into so many people's daily routines. Um, it was no, it was, uh, it was nice to see them rolling in uh, when that got announced. I think it was Thursday or Friday that that came out. So big thank you to everybody who has been spending enough time with us this year that we've cracked the top five. Yeah, and, and amazing to see that we are kind of featured alongside other people's listening, like my dad wrote a porno and shockwaves and things like that. Like, it's, it's cool yeah. that, that you're willing to spend as much time on us as, the, as you are on those guys. <laughs> For, on uh, more legitimate pursuits like that. <laughs> Also, a shout out to Paddy Murphy, who it seems racked up 32,500 minutes of podcast listening. That's sensational. What the fuck? <laughs> Did you listen to them while he sleeps? Fuck's sake, Paddy, go and make a film. <laughs> he's done that as well. When does he sleep? <laughs> Maybe he's got that Margaret Thatcher thing where he, like, four hours is all he needs. That's it. Four hours is all he ever needs. Yep, and then up and out, I'm ready to face the day. <laughs> Camera in hand. <laughs> Um, that's just about it. Well, kinda. Yeah! It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature of the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. And boy, do we. <laughs> but we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a, a poster from a horror film from years gone by. It'll photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and will leave only the image. My job will be, where possible, to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give it a title and a synopsis. We'll also share the image everywhere so you can join in at home, which we have done this week with, uh, now, Paganini's Demon? <laughs> Paganini uh, Horror. Correct, sir, correct. Yes, well done. Paganini Horror, yes. Uh, reappropriated by me as the Devil and Treble Clef, Symphony of Destruction. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we had we had a lot this week. A really? lot come in. Yeah. So sorry if I don't read yours because the volume it's just it's strictly a volume thing. But Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, Jess and Ant find music in the house of a late reclusive violinist. They release the music as part of their folk metal album, gaining fame and riches until they discover the angry spectre of the music's writer come to take his cut. It's face the music, revenge of the ghostwriter. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, like that quite a bit, I must say. Andrew Marshall, semi-pro geek on Twitter, famed violinist Bonesaw Bowstring, takes a rendition of Dance Macabre a little too literally, transforming himself into an undead madman and quite literally attempting overtures on Switchboard girl Gitte Upia, who is also <laughs> loved from afar by stage assistant Manuel Handling. Manuel Handling? Well, yes, Manuel Handling. Will the beautiful telephonist be won over by the fiddler's fingering, or will it be her G-string that's <laughs> played to perfection by the man good with his hands? Find out in 1987's The Fandom of the Operator. Oh, wow, right, sure. <laughs> Very clever. Uh, Chris Salt, getting in touch. For newlyweds Guy and Lynn Concerto. <laughs> <laughs> Guy and Lynn, oh, 
That's very clever. Yes. The old house up on Fiddler's Ridge was meant to be the start of a wonderful new adventure together. But when workmen renovating their new home pull up the floorboards in the attic, they discover some mysterious old papers. The unfinished symphony of failed local composer Phineas Bowscrape. <laughs> <laughs> Leafing through the ancient manuscript, Guy finds the passage highlighted with strange occult symbols and idly whistles it, causing the vengeful spirit of the long-dead tunesmith to awaken. A deadly game of musical scares ensues as his skeletal spirit picks off the workmen one by one, feeding on the frenzy of fear and growing to enormous size. <laughs> Can the young couple gather the pages together and destroy them before the cacophonous cadaver literally raises the roof with his murderous minuets? Find out in 1988's <laughs> High Skull Musical. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, we've got to give a shout out to Andy McEwen who uh, suggested Death Note. Ah, right. Hey, uh, yes, on Instagram. Yes, okay. Yep. So that was quite clever. Uh, back on Trat Living, that's Boz on Instagram as well. String language and violin screams. Brilliant. Yeah, it's very clever. So, moving to Facebook and some belters here. Kevin Matthews first, Salter Popcorn. British kitchen sink drama meets high concept horror in the once lost foray into the genre by Ken Loach, all about the evil spirit of a famous musician who is agitated by anyone who gets too frustrated while trying to read and play his work in their piano lessons in the 1966 oddity Don't Look Back in Anger. <laughs> okay. Dennis Atherton. Oh. I'm omitting the extra because it's Facebook. Sure, yeah. And Dennis yeah, yeah. Uh, getting in touch. Yeah, a, a rare visit from Facebook from Dennis. Now he's gone for it here, right? Okay. There's actually not a title. There's actually not a title here, but I think it's worth reading. <laughs> I love that. There's no title. Like, draw your own conclusions, lads. So, so, I mean, he's giving you the pieces. You can do it yourself. <laughs> The weight loss winner Jed, who wrote The Creaky House That Bled, now writes haunting melodies, the ones that stick in your head. The notes are like gunfire filled up with lead, and that bass beat hits hard, they could even wake the dead. I usually like any music, that's what she said, but we ran from Hill House, in desperation we fled. Then her ears popped like Joe's, when he became brown bread. We never looked back, we ran straight ahead, blood coming from her ears, it was cherry red. And pain in her eyes as we ran to the shed, but we went to the wrong place, we definitely got misled, cause the shed was full of nothing but the rotting musical undead. <laughs> Uh, well done, Dennis. Pretty strong, I think. And uh, to conclude, Tony Constantinou. Sure. After receiving an unexpected invitation to a private concert at the home of classical violinist Andre Ryu, superfan Cineworld manager and amateur Wikipedia page contributor Tim Funtime arrives at the <laughs> musical maestro's mansion to discover he is but a pawn in the maniacal machinations of the mentally maladjusted musician. Uncovering the truth that Ryu is actually a 4,000-year-old Smectar who plans to kill him and inhabit his body in order to get his interminable Maastricht specials shown in Cineworld nationwide, Tim, alongside girlfriend Fanny Crumpet, must do everything they can to foil Ryu's ludicrous plan and rid the world of his insidious grin once and for all in 1993's Unexpected Violent Concerto, the fantastic phantom of random phantom fun time. <laughs> Ah, oh god, I, I swallowed some spit. Uh, be prepared uh, for a fright at the opera is the tagline there. Be prepared for a fright at the opera. Oh, yes, that was good. Yep, uh, I'm going to give the, the, the win to Tony. Special Reasonable. mention to string language and violin screams. Yes, very clever. I did like that quite a lot. Also, and best character name, I have a feeling I know which one you're going to go for. Uh, if you're thinking I'm going to go for Guy and Lynn Concerto, uh, you would be correct. Yes, the very same. I did have a few, and that may be the one that you would cheat for. So, my turn then. Yes, yes, indeed. Are you ready, sir? Do you have your mobile device to hand? Uh, yes, it's here. It's here. Well, you might find that you have now received an image. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's here, it's here. 
I got it. Yeah, what'd you make of that? Um, uh, you can work with this. Okay, so uh, there is no border on the image. Apart from, I think, well, actually, I tell a lie. There's a white border on the image, and I'm assuming the bottom part is where the text's been removed. We are in a kind of uh, high school classroom by the looks of it, although the desks are positioned in a weird way in relation to the blackboard because they're sideways in front of it. But... Um, <laughs> But there is a blackboard in the background, and there are two desks and one chair, the chair being in the middle of the two desks. Um, draped across the the desks and the chair is a woman who I would say, it's fair to say, has been murdered. Right, okay, what gives you that impression? I mean, I'm no crime scene investigator, Andy, I'm not, but I'm, I'm suspecting foul play here. Um, she has long blonde hair, by the way, she's wearing a purple blouse and a blue short skirt and a kind of uh, blue trainers and white ankle socks. She has had a kind of green, kind of what looks like a plastic loud tail or stuffed down her throat. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and hazard a guess she did not do that herself. Right, okay. So I think that there has been a murder. It also looks like it's happened quite abruptly because her blue school book is on the floor face down uh, and open as is a white piece of paper and a pen. And also we have something that says sex kills on it, but I can't really see what it is. I don't know either, so I'm going to let you slide on that. It just looks like a small cylindrical sign that says sex kills. <laughs> In hot pink? <laughs> in hot pink, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great friend, friend of the show, hot pink. <laughs> yeah, we're all about hot pink here. We've been singing the praises of hot pink for a long time. We have indeed, we have indeed. <laughs> okay, I will need a moment. Yeah, sure, take it. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, you know, you, you can't be bringing your game every week. Speaking of which, I have a pitch. <laughs> oh, 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 right, okay, you're not filling me with hope here, but uh, yeah, crack on, finally. Okay, for head cheerleader Daisy Roundoff, high school was a breeze. <laughs> Straight A's, great friends, and she's just landed a cheerleading scholarship, so she'll be with her quarterback boyfriend, Chet Varsity, next year. However, sure. things take a turn when Isabella Frump, an unpopular kid Daisy bullied, mysteriously goes missing. As her more promiscuous friends begin to turn up murdered, it's up to Daisy and head teacher Dean McStuffins to unravel the mystery before it's too late. In unwarranted sequel, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Sex Deducation. You know there was a Revenge of the Nerds 2. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds 3, Sex Deducation. <laughs> there might have also been a third one, but that, I yeah, I'm not I mean. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, repeat ad infinitum. <laughs> okay, right, come on, tell me. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't. But uh, good, good effort. <laughs> I don't want you going away thinking that that wasn't your strongest work. Uh, good Thank effort. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, 1981. 1981, okay. Uh, and the film is Student Bodies. Ah, okay, okay. Tell me more. Well, it's a film that uh, kind of claims to be one of the first kind of horror spoof comedy type things. So uh, I think 88 films might have put it out on the Slasher Classics label. I'm not sure. Uh, but I've got a, a, a synopsis here if you're interested. I would be very happy to hear that. Yes, please. Coming in this week from Josh Paznak, who I think we've had before. Uh, yes, that name certainly does ring a bell. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. A killer named The Breather terrorises students at a high school. Whenever the killer finds students having sex, he kills them. <laughs> he has some intense issues with which to deal. It does sound like it, yeah. <laughs> For sure. He likes to breathe heavily, and he likes to make prank calls while talking through a rubber chicken. <laughs> 
That's right. <laughs> well, it's not a Claudio Calvario level of detail there, but um, it gets the job done. I like that. Um, is this any good? Uh, as I recall, I recall it being kind of, even at the time, the humour being kind of cringy and not especially okay, fun. Okay, okay. But it's been a while since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'll maybe, I'll maybe try and hunt that one out. Again. I personally am not going to flock to it on the strength of that review, but good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that does conclude Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is now everywhere, though, so if you want to get in and uh, get an attempt of your own, then by all means to do so through all the usual channels. Speaking of channels, sure. streaming platforms. <laughs> well please. Thanks very much. Uh, Sky Cinema, nothing going on uh, there this week, as far as I can tell. Obviously kind of gearing up with all the Christmas stuff at the moment. Amazon Prime, you have got weekly episodes of Mr. Robo and the Burge, as well as um, on December 13th, which is Friday, I believe, you've got season four of The Expanse, right, which okay. is um, a sci-fi thing that in hundreds of years in the future, things are different than what we're used to after humans have colonized the solar system and Mars has become an independent military power. I think that the synopsis is saying that's different to what we're used to as an understatement, but yes. <laughs> Speak for yourself, sir. Um, but yeah, so I think that, that was originally on Netflix and got cancelled, and then uh, Amazon Prime picked it up and revived it. I believe that's I'm, correct. If I'm not mistaken. Um, Shudder has some stuff this week. On Tuesday, we've got Inner Demon. A teenage girl must fight for survival when she's kidnapped by an evil psychopath couple with a taste for torment. On Ooh. Thursday, you've got the Headhunter on the outskirts of a kingdom. A quiet but fierce medieval warrior protects the realm from monsters and the occult. His gruesome collection of heads is missing only one, the monster that killed his daughter years ago. Wow. Uh, okay. Also on Thursday, you have got uh, Trevisa, which is three notorious gangsters who have never crossed paths, find themselves in the same restaurant at the same time, and their fates are changed forever, which I think sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. Uh, Netflix, of course, don't forget this week, uh, rounding off the ultimate trilogy of terror, uh, Christmas Prince, the royal baby lands, I believe. <laughs> Yes! Uh, uh, we watched the, the first two last yep, year. Yep, and we're going to watch the first three this year. Uh, coming on Friday as well, you've got Six Underground. After faking his death, a tech billionaire recruits a team of international operatives for a bold and bloody mission to take down a brutal dictator. Jesus, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, perhaps uh, with a theme tune by the Sneaker Pimp. Perhaps, it's crossed my mind, I must say. So yeah, there's that, but that's about it for Netflix. Uh, for this week, I'm going to say for a pick, I'm going to say Trevisa, because obviously uh, three notorious gangsters finding themselves in one small restricted location for the entire film is obviously going to tick my boxes. <laughs> sure, yes. So, yes, it's about time to uh, turn our attentions to this week's show, and it's something we've been talking about for a little while. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, this uh, person's last appearance, returning guest, hint, so it, there you go, there's a huge It is hint. a returning guest, and uh, no coincidence in the timing as well, as his film Hell is Where the Home Is gears up for a UK release through Five Fest Presents. Yes. We are being joined this week by director of the Queen of Hollywood Boulevard and Hell is Where the Home is, Mr. Orson Oblowitz. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you may recall the last time Orson was on the show, Mitch, that he chose to do the lawnmower. He did man. indeed. And much in the style of what we did with Jill with Anaconda, we had such a good time with that that we did resolve that at some point we would do the sequel. And with that said, Mitch, we're going back to 1996 for the misguided sequel to The Lawnmower Man. Uh-huh. Rocking, rocking a pretty excited 2.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Lawnmower Man 2, Beyond Cyberspace. This is an incredibly exciting time. 
Arsenal rejoins us this Friday for episode 82 to talk the Lawnmower Man 2 beyond cyberspace. I cannot wait for this. A very different beast to the Lawnmower Man. I'm very Man. excited to see it. And uh, how are you feeling about this? You can get in touch with us. Let us know. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can also email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, you can. And you can find out all that information and more, including links to our T Public. Uh, live dates as and when they're announced and of course a non-exhaustive list of podcast providers uh, thanks to a few people who've left us some reviews and stuff this week that's great but we need more guys give us more reviews please yeah that'd be great but yeah big thank you to everybody that's uh, getting in touch telling their pals a lot of people have been doing that recently as well uh, which I really appreciate yeah. no, big thank you to everybody and of course thanks to yourselves for listening we're back on Friday with episode 82 talking Lawnmower Man 2 beyond cyberspace with Orson Olowitz <laughs> join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye <laughs> bye You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>